Good day, friends. Welcome to the Swimming in the Ocean of Consciousness podcast. I'm your host, Elcio Eber, transformational author, speaker, and life coach. Allow me to be a guide as you discover your higher self and your magic within. Good day, Dr. Martin. How are you? And welcome to Swimming in the Ocean of Consciousness podcast. Thank you for joining me today. Good morning. Glad to be here. Awesome. Awesome. As we get going, um, anyone that might not know it or heard me call you Dr. Martin, I just want to put out there that he's my chiropractor here in Seattle, the greater Seattle area. So yeah, Dr. Martin, let's get to know you a little bit. How long have you been a chiropractor? I graduated in 1982. Nice. I can sense you really enjoy it. I know we've known each other maybe probably two years now, because when I first came up, I met you down in Renton. But I asked you here today because... I'm in the process of publishing my book, and you and I have been able to have, besides doctor-patient relations, some friendly conversations that have realized for both of us that we have a lot in common in terms of the things we think about. Yes. Yeah, very true. So the book is called Swimming in the Ocean of Consciousness, and it has to do with the self-cultivation journey that one takes when one seeks within to find the inner self, inner guidance, and reach a higher self of consciousness. And I know you mentioned a couple things we spoke about, like Zachary Sachin and some different things that are relevant to certain other areas in that aspect of greater consciousness in the, this phase of the earth. What are your takes on that? might be uh, wise for me to just give you a brief overview of where I came from and where I am right now. I was raised in Kentucky in a very fundamentalist, conservative environment. Then I moved to Iowa to go to college. And when I was communicating with my fellow students there, I kept hearing the name Edgar Casey, Edgar Casey, Edgar Casey. And I had to check it out because he recommended adjusting or manipulation for. Um, myriad of maladies and issues. Yes. So I purchased, I think, oh, I forgot the name of the book. Sorry, I can't remember the name of the book. And that started me on, on the pathway. And then as I studied more and more, I had to wrestle with myself. Yes, I understand. Because what I was learning, I, I entered this only for the medical part. Yeah. But I kept bumping into all this metaphysical, mm. spiritual information. And it did not coordinate with the way I was raised. Traditions, yeah. So yeah. I had wrestled with that. I went through a dark night of the soul. And I had a conversation with my wife. And I said, listen, I accept this part here. I understand it. I have no problems with it. But I've got this part over here that doesn't make sense to me or hasn't, hasn't thus far. And I can't accept one without the other. And so she agreed with me, and that's, that's I, I accepted it and went on. Since then, I have delved into a lot of uh, different teachings. I consider myself a very spiritual individual. I'm not religious anymore. I was raised fundamentalist, and my wife shares this journey with me. Yeah, that's interesting. Now, 
in terms of when you first started feeling all this, uh, you said be switching between your fundamental upbringing and you starting to have that internal beginning with yourself to understand there was something deeper and more. Was that a comfortable experience where you felt, oh, this is, this is interesting. I'm going to flow with this. Did you accept the guidance of your inner self on that journey? Or was that coming to terms a little bit tricky for you? It was tricky. Not everyone uh, transition. I had that balance, like pouring water into a glass, you know, and finding that purity. And so for some people, it's, it's a difficult, and you say you wrestle with yourself, but uh, wrestling with a stranger in the darkness. It's like, you know, when you sit with yourself and you sit with your thoughts, it's not like you have to wrestle with someone else that wants, is trying to say something or come forth. And you're like, no, this is, this is, this not exist. It's not real. It's not true. And is that difficulty of that back and forth before you, you flow with the stream of it all? Yes, true. That's yes. why I called it a, a the dark night of the soul because I, I really had trouble reconciling everything I knew, everything that I was taught, my whole world that I was living in with what I was learning. And I had to decide whether to stay on the path that I had been on or to go with the new one. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and that's funny because that's this, like, we sort of met two years ago when I moved to Seattle and yep. I yes. was one path and my personal transformation in the past four months, like I told you, I woke up one day and as if spirit was alive with me and said, no, to, to, from now on, I am leading and we're going to live this life. And all that I've lived for the past 25 years with my passions in the world was no longer relevant because that's deeper spiritual gift that I had wanted to have a way and I couldn't resist it anymore. And now that's what led to this book and that's what's leading to this transformation of person that I'm having. And yeah, a slingshot into a whole new direction where I can share not just the journey itself, but also what I've learned in the process of releasing my control into that stream of flowing evidence and let it be. Yes. And I remember when you first came to the clinic and you were wrestling. I was lost. I, I had just gotten here, me, just me and the dog, me and Buster, and I didn't know where I was. I didn't know what was going on. I, didn't, I just know I was trying to start a whole life over from a divorce and from the woman that raised me had died and my family told me there was nothing to come back for and I felt alone in the world. And so to, to be honest, meeting you at that moment, what, that's where we got to be friendly because you were a kind soul amidst a lot of cold-hearted people out there. And I guess some people call it the Seattle freeze. But, you know, when I first came up, I experienced some really coldness from some, you know, this being a, someone from an outsider. And you were different. You were charming and you were a bright smile always. And good day. How are you? And I was like, oh, my God, he's, he's, he's different, you know. And so that, that allowed me to breathe a little bit and to start to talk with you. And then we were able to have deeper conversations. Well, thank you for that. that, that that's exactly what I would like to project to the world. That's, that's very much what you do. The light that I sense inside, it emanates to you as if you were a lighthouse of hope, is what I, I kind of been calling it. But when someone comes to that point and they know that what I have inside and what I find is meant for me to point outward so that it can be a guiding light for others, that's a lighthouse at the edge of the bay, you know? Well, thank you. My philosophy is that I do treat people with my hands and fairly good at it. 
but I encompass everything. A smile, a hug if you need it, uh, listening, a sounding board, just acknowledging your or another's humanity, especially the children. When the kids come in, I go out of my way to bring them in and to incorporate them into what's going on in the office and to let them to recognize their humanity. Yes. And that's an interesting thing because that, that's also one of my personal perspective professionally as a tennis teaching professional is people always ask, how come you get along so well with kids and teenagers because other adults find it difficult? But my perspective on approaching them is I see them as young people, not little children or little that's people. Right. No, but I just say, oh, hi, welcome. The life in me is I see life in them. I because I approach them from there, their spirit resonates with that, and then there's trust, and then communication can be built on that, and that's how I was able, always able to reach or teach other kids from that perspective. So there you say that that's how you do your, your chiropractic adjustments as well. It's interesting, it's, because that's the place to come from, spirit, yeah. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> like I said, that was my journey, and so I have decided that I needed to to surrender and allow that purity that is within me to be also be a lighthouse. And that is coming forth in this new platform that I'm creating as, as an author with the book. And uh, this podcast is helpful for me to be able to speak freely and openly about the process of self-cultivation and transformation and um, inner self and inner spirit and inner guide from the boundaries of the egotistic muddy waters into the conscious mind and then the subconscious unconscious and this purpose of all. So that flow of through there, it's, it's, it's the chain that I'm trying to be able to guide people through. Some people are ready, some people aren't. Some people approach it from a different perspective. And I think that's where I like the way we were able to talk back and forth because you, you also have been to your personal transformation. You also have experienced what that journey is like. And in your own way, you're sharing with your clients through chiropractor and through the other works you do. So I think that's great for me. Without preaching. Yes. Yes. And that's important, isn't it? Yeah. That, that's the key. Yeah. Yes. And it's so good that you mentioned that because that's something I don't want to, to, to let outside forces guide me towards. But like you said, how do you be a guiding light and voice without crossing that boundary for yourself and the others, you know? And that's something you have to always be conscious of for yourself. And I am continually learning. Yeah, yeah. Every day. I'll give you a for example. We started with Edgar Casey, then we moved on. When I divorced my first wife and then two years later met and married my wife. Now, we were unpacking all of her books. And I happened across a book, um, I'm going to say like book seven of the Cryon series. Okay. And I, I never heard of it. And I opened it up and I started looking and reading and it just, whoa, did it resonate with me. And I ran to my wife and I said, well, tell me what, where, how? And she said, oh, yeah, I studied those. I've got them all. They're all here. And since I didn't 
pick up the, the first book the first time. I waited. I stacked them all up until I had them all. And then I started in the beginning and I devoured them. I loved it. And recently we have discovered Abraham. Yes. And we have in, intensely uh, dived into the Abraham material. The, probably the past couple of years, we've been to three or four live sessions, something like that. I didn't go to them all, but my wife has. And just yesterday, very interesting, bumped into uh, the work of Bashir, B-A-S-H-E-R. Mm. And wow, I've just got, I've got somebody else. I've now got to open up to this work and the information that's there. I'll give you a perfect example. We just learned yesterday, when we think of consciousness, we think consciousness is the epitome. It's the highest. And then you have the, the subconscious and then the superconscious. In our brains, we consider that going down deeper into the subconscious, going down deeper into the superconscious. Yeah. Shar said, I just heard this yesterday, we have it backwards. Our consciousness is the lowest frequency. And when we, we go up, when we go into the subconscious, and we go up whenever we are in the, the superconscious. And I thought, wow, I never thought of it that way. It's just an interesting take on something that we know or have been taught, and he just turned turned it around completely. And I just thought that was fascinating. Haven't delved much into it, um, yeah. haven't had time, but that's definitely going to be on my agenda. No, that, that's funny you mentioned that, because that's what I was trying to say earlier. Like, what I'm introducing with Swimming Ocean of Consciousness is similar, but it's looking at it in different layers. So we exist from physical with egotistic mind and that ego mind in its ego conscious state from that it's usually spoken about of looking at a journey within like turning inward to look in self like it's going like you said it's going down into self or lower frequency really it's from that stillness then that we go outward into the universe and that's yes. the, that's when you go from ego consciousness to just consciousness of awareness now you've become aware of yourself enough to separate deliberately your thinking and emotion from the ego state to function at, at a higher frequency above that state that leads to the subconscious and then the unconscious mind and then into the nothingness of source again the share is calling it super consciousness and so forth isn't it funny how you looked and you were like, oh, wow. So then society kind of looks at it as it actually stops people from connecting to the greater source because we're actually turning our mind and attention the wrong direction. Downward, we're turning it towards that ego state, state of, of being. I will have to say this. I am over 60 years old, so I've been around a while. And I will tell you that 30, 40 years ago, you and I couldn't have had this conversation. Mm, interesting. I don't think anyone was interested, maybe a few. But today, in our society now, uh, probably globally, everyone 
is interested. Yeah, so you said that's the great awakening. Everyone, yeah. To, to, to come, come forward. Whereas before, if you had a meeting, you might get four or five people to come. Today, you'd have to run a stadium. Yeah. So yeah. the world has to be ready, and when the time is right, the information comes, and that's, that's what we're dealing with. You know, and to me, that's where what Jerry and Esther, when they started coming forward, was mm -hmm. such a, a right timing in the world itself because she created a path of consciousness that gave people tools to make that journey. And it's, it's, it's funny when you look at it to the grand scheme, which I just had it when you said that, was that I'm really thankful for the work of Abraham. Yes. And giving an individual that is, is wanting to, to know go on that journey the tools necessary to become consciously aware of those, those steps. You know, and it's funny when you said how 30 years ago you and I won't be able to have a conversation. I thought it was going to be because of the race factor we talked about earlier. See, it had, that hasn't even entered in. <laughs> yeah. Yet, anyway. No, yeah. Funny, I'm Martin Luther King Day. We're having this conversation and it goes, yeah, but no, yeah, because that's very interesting because even besides the state of being conscious, for oneself and to discover beyond religion a greater consciousness that you have the you have the not only the ability but the rights to communicate with source for yourself without the preacher telling you that you have to go through them or the establishment. Just the race factor alone would have been a factor between you and I having that being able to just communicate as two souls, let alone have to go in a deeper state that was outside of the church. So times have, have come far. Well, from my perspective, I'm going to tell you right now, I never bought into that. I was raised in a Southern environment yeah. where racism was up front and in stark in your face. I never once bought into that. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I must have been born innately with that attitude. And I'm, I'm glad to see that it's better than it was. And all of the contentiousness that we're seeing today I'm going to say is probably a good thing instead of putting something away and hiding it and covering it up and just pretending it doesn't exist we've got to take all of that negative crap we got to pull it out and look at it and work through it and get the kinks out and realize that, oh, yeah, we don't need to believe this way. We don't have to act this way. Yeah. And that's funny you say that because I was having that reflection of myself just recently in the same spectrum. How far have we come? Because I realized a lot of things are hidden in layers beneath people's uh, beliefs and thinking. And the reasoning behind those decisions and originally is what we're not wanting to talk about. And that's why when people are uncomfortable, it's kind of like talk to family members really sitting and talking about difficult things. And the world now has to kind of become a world family and sit and talk about difficult things, you know, and talk about the things that cause the disruptions in the world, how we can get over those things as a world family to be able to create a global psychological connection to source that is on a higher frequency and not on a lower frequency of underlying anger, underlying hatred, underlying racism. All those underlying, we, we, we really need to peel back like an onion and, and, 
and allow the tears to flow. Sometimes the difficulty is in allowing the tears to flow. It's cathartic, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful. So, any questions for me, doctor? Um, I don't think so. Why don't you shoot one? We can flow in any direction. Given that it's Martin Luther King Day, how about we honor that by staying on target to what we were speaking about before? Um, because a lot of people won't realize that, but like you said, you you know, you're a Caucasian male raised in the South. I'm a biracial individual that spawned from the Caribbean first before I came to the U.S. So I've experienced a lot of those racist opportunities or thinking processes that could have formed me and my thinking in a different way. And I chose not to, to the point where you and I had a conversation and you kept referring it to our generation. And then you said, but wait a minute, how old are you? I'm like, I'm 41. (laughs) (laughs) You just appear to be so wise. It never entered my mind. I thought you and I were the same age. I just never considered it. And then, wow, it's like, whoa, you're light years ahead of other people in your age bracket. Oh, thank you. Well, you know what? It's just uh, kind of like you were saying how you never bought into the racism and style. It was just never part of your makeup. Swimming in the social of consciousness and going deeper and deeper and deeper has been something I've been doing ever since I was a child. And I enjoy that. Uh, my grandmother, I will say, she, she sort of put out like an umbrella over all of that other dark stuff and allowed me to have time with itself to be able to make that journey. And I was always taught to be a man, put a man on your shoulder, keep your head up, look people straight in the eye. Oh, yeah. Tell the truth, mm-hmm. have honor, have dignity. And if you make a mistake, it's okay. I apologize. And sometimes you will hurt people in the decisions you're making to better your life. And sometimes it's going to feel like you're moving forward and that you're leaving people behind. And sometimes that growth hurts. But learning to own those emotions or to learn how to go do those things were things I learned from young to her and my uncles and my mom and different people that had to do in the raising because I wasn't raised in a traditional sense. It has always, it was, you know, conversation and honest, soulful conversation was always a part of my upbringing. So it was always easy for me to do and I, I just sort of always stay that way. See, mine was opposite. Mm-hmm. We had taboos. There were certain things, or a lot of things, we just never talked about. It was never discussed. Interesting. Yeah. At all. Now you brought up that you were your lineage. You go back to the Caribbean. I think that's very interesting because I lived in Central America on an island off the northern coast of Honduras for two years. Nice. And. I am a white male. I guess I'm considered part of the patriarchy. I never experienced discrimination until I went there. Yeah. And it hurt. I was the minority. And to feel that rejection or um, I don't know what other words to use. Uh, just all, all, all forms of discrimination. Yeah, I yeah. felt it. I lived it. And I, I feel for people who have to endure that. Yeah. Endure that day in and day out. And the term that comes to mind is that in your instance, you are guilty of being black. And that's a travesty. Yeah. It's horrible. 
You yeah. are a brilliant, wonderful soul. Oh, thank you. And it's funny that, sorry, you had to experience that. But, you know, being that I'm interracial, I also experienced what you spoke about. So, so growing up for me was difficult. And I got in a lot of trouble because my way around it was a comedy and making people laugh. And I would get in trouble at school and so forth. But, but yeah, it, it's funny how, like, that's what I'm trying to touch on. These things still exist today, but these are the things that people are uncomfortable talking about their experiences with it or the perspective from which it came from and that it still exists. Where we are today is at a, I guess, uh, an un uncomfortable juncture where we're trying to feel each other out. And as a white male, uh, mature age, you have young people who are rejecting gender stereotypes and they prefer to use they and us pronouns that are gender neutral. Yeah. And you've got that and then you've got, you've got black people. And I don't know if you realize it or not, when you came to see me in the Redmond Clinic yeah. And the first time I looked up and I saw you and without even thinking, I said to you, Elcio, I haven't seen you in a coon's age. <laughs> yeah. And you didn't hear it. You, you, do, you didn't react. And I instantly felt, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I just insulted him. No. And I literally, after you left, I had to go online and look to see if there was a negative connotation to that term. Yeah. And there is. And I had no idea. And I had used that uh, growing up in the South. That wasn't, everybody said that. Yeah. Never, and it, it didn't, to me, it never had a race connotation to it. But anyway, if I if you did if you remember that, I'm sorry I said that. No, but that's part of the learning process. But but you see that's what I'm trying to say. These are the things people aren't comfortable speaking about, and we you and I are, even with the, all of the differences we have. But see, like when you said that, like I told you when Dr. Pope had joked about blazing saddles, and we we had some some of those sudden jokes. It's like. I've lived myself, like my 20 years since I left the Caribbean has been a, a very interesting, I call it like being a wonder in the world. So I've experienced a lot of things, but my, like I said, the openness and the solid foundation my grandma gave me prior to going on that 20 year journey really was a guiding light for me consistently through because I could listen to that. I could hear what you say and I could, I then see the greeting in it. I get what you're saying, and I just smile and say, awesome, you know? In myself, I don't see that hurt from race. I don't see the insult. I get, that's from the South, I get it. And I, I have a good chuckle about it. Well, thank you for that. And the intent is important here. Yes. Because you understood the context of where yes, it was Yes, yes, that's what I'm saying. Sorry. But me, I'm going to tell you, for me, I felt guilt. Oh, I see. I felt very, very bad that I... That, that slipped out. And that's where we all are. That's where everybody is right now. People are afraid 
to say or do anything what's, that what's might possibly you. be offensive. And that's what I'm calling swimming in the ocean of consciousness. How deep do you really want to go within yourself that you become comfortable with who you are? Are you able to digest certain things enough to be able to share them back out with others? And yeah, it, because it's about how far someone's going to become self-realized to be able to see themselves outward in another. Like within, like I said, with this, like with kids and when I'm teaching kids with you, I just see the, the love and the light. You know, I don't see the color. I don't see the age. I see, I go because of the spiritual warmth that I, greeting that I get that's comfortable for me. And, and that's you, the way it should be. Yeah, you create, you create a very calm, safe environment within the clinic. And so that was inviting. And that is what I resonate with versus, oh, that's the old white man that looks like a Cherokee Indian. Because remember we joked about that? Because you said uh, um, part Cherokee, and I'm like, oh, you kind of look like you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, I'm not. And that's what's said. Yeah. You're like, I'm 100% Caucasian. I'm not Cherokee. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm 98% British Isles. Okay. But yeah, so I, I see the spirit more. I see who you are, and we can swim together in that ocean. And there's no color. There's no race. There's no age. There's no gender. It's just two spirits, two souls communicating. And it's just about... How far have you gone in for your swim? Have you swum to the unconscious? Have you gone into the sub? sub? Have you really gone out there within yourself? And about where, where are we meeting each other when we, we're treading water together? You know, we're in that conscious state, not going into ego taste about who's what and who has a right to anything. We leave those things behind us and we find a place where we can resonate together. That's where we're hoping the world can get to. We're hoping the world can get to that tread water together place versus in the conscious mind or the subconscious, getting into that super consciousness that you were telling me about earlier. So how do you propose we conduct ourselves on a day-to-day -day basis to allow teaching and learning to naturally flow to us to flow back into our spectrum and then have be digested very interesting you see it, it all has to come down to the four letters that form the consciousness of self because it all depends where one is in that singular moment and i see time as a singular thing it's just one moment that's just there <laughs> when you meet another you have to meet them at the juncture where they are without judgment. That takes how much new work you've done within yourself that allow how smoothly you can do that for another. And, and, and that's the, the part of self I'm talking about. Depending where an individual is, are they still in the muddy waters of the egotistic self? Have they cleansed themselves through the purification process to enter into self-consciousness? and deep into the, the, the outer seas of subconsciousness, that when they meet someone, they can easily resonate, ah, this person is in the same waters as I am. They're still in the murkiness of the muds. Oh, this person came from that deep, oh, deep, 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 deep ocean down there. I, you gotta, this person has a little bit deepness to them. One has to be able to, to feel and flow with that and not go back to the egotistic, muddy self of mind thinking of, oh my gosh, um, that's more, that's less, you know, uh, how far is that ahead or behind where I'm at? 
And I think what I was trying to refer with you and I earlier was I always enjoy how you and I just swim in an ocean of where we are. Like, you know, it's like, hey, and I'm like, hey, and then we just can flow from there and go in different places. But then we acknowledge when you said, hey, I thought you were much older than you are. And I'm like, I'm, I'm still a baby. I'm still kind of younger. Well, that wasn't insulting, by the way. No, 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 of course not. It's just that from my young age place, my lesser time under the sun than you came in wanting to swim out to that far ahead where you are from that extra experience of being here. My consciousness always wanted to swim out in that depth of those oceans. I'm comfortable being out there. <laughs> and that's why we resonate and connect as if I'm there because I've sort of swam through there in my own self. I've cleansed myself from those waters. And that's where, how does someone find that in a day-to-day basis to, to allow it? knowledge in or knowledge out. I think it, it first comes down to self because you have to first identify that one, you're willing to identify yourself as self. From there, where are you in that moment? And if you are far enough to have already cleansed the ego part, then it's, it's, it becomes a little bit easier because now you're open to frequencies, higher frequencies, and not the densities of me, me, this world, my, my job, my status, my title. Those things are remnants only where gravity holds it. <laughs> When we get into the consciousness of self trying to grow, we have to leave gravity behind. And that's where we learn that we can still be connected to the earth and become light as a feather and flow outward. But it really is a process of where one is because it, it's sort of magnetic in what, and that's what Abraham talks about, the vortex. Like when you ask for something and it is given, it's out into the universe. But if you are really aligned to it, you can pick up on it much quicker because once you ask, it's given. You just have to be able to be in alignment with it to allow it to come into connection with yourself. One of the things I heard or learned yesterday watching the documentary, um, Bashar just, well, no, I think it was uh, published or released in May, May of last year, I think, uh, 2018. Now I forgot where I was going. But well, we're, we're swimming out about how we can become conscious of self and then from there be open to learning when things come in and not reject things and be ready to move forward and resonate with others. Yeah, there was a point I was going to make, but it, it lost, I lost it. It's all good. It's all good. We'll find yeah. out. But you see, that, that, that brings a good point because that's what swimming in the ocean of consciousness is. And, and once we're, we're communicating, see how there'll be inspiration that'll pull us out deeper into the ocean. And when it's you're not there, it's, you get pulled out. Oh, now I remember what I was going to say. Go for it. <laughs> Go for it. He was, he said, as far as manifesting and drawing to you what your desires are, mm. the key to doing that is to realize that everything you desire is sitting there. Everything you want, everything you need, is already there. It's your belief system that's keeping it away. Yeah, yeah, very true. I I thought that's such a very interesting concept. Uh, It just builds on the teaching that I have uh, incorporated 
before, but it looks at it from a different perspective. I really appreciate learning that. Yeah, very much so because And that's the crux of what we're talking about. This whole this whole conversation is unlearning the things that you've been taught. Yes, so that we can free ourselves of excess of garbage and let the good just come to us. Yeah, and you see that thing that was scary for most people, which is a term to the mirror work. How do you reassess then to flow back to, to society and to, to life? And that's where, if you haven't made that first stage of consciousness, that connection to inner self, inner guide, becomes a bit overwhelming, trying to unlearn all of these principles, like you said, from like your, your childhood growing up and when you first learned on to education. There's that moment where what you're reaching for resonates so well with you, but it's just so comfortable to hold on tightly to what you knew, or you, you think you knew. And that for a lot of people is difficult. And I think that's even like where you, I picked up with what you're saying then is that for you it's always been a little bit easier and flowing with truth and flowing with source. Well, staying where we are, that's the easy part. Yeah. Just building on what you're handed, what's given to you, and just go with that, that's easy. It's growing past the mm -hmm. negativity, growing past being stuck in ego, that's the hard part. Yeah, and that, that's why, see, so that's why I'm calling it the muddy waters and, and then swimming yes. to self-consciousness where you're consciously aware of, like, like, see how you're consciously aware of when we met how that Southern slang might have been taken offensively as support. That, that takes, the, the ego self wouldn't have seen it any which way, would have just fit it out there. But you were aware of yourself. And then when you saw me, you were like, oh, wow, I, I, that might not the right thing to say. I don't know him that well. <laughs> we don't have that flow. But now we joke about things like that, you know? Mm -hmm. And yep. so that's, yeah, you, it's just, that, that's the learning curve that I think we need to keep the learning in, in that degree of curving because straight lines are difficult sometimes. Perspective is lost. Yep. <laughs> I kind of was calling it man coming into terms with himself. And that's, I think that's what you, the question you're asking. How, as we come into terms with ourselves, how can we from physical, have access to the spiritual angle to that, the mind to be able to make a connection to allow it to flow like a channel, a stream that is connected to from this body into then our, beyond our consciousness into spirit. And One I, of the things that I have always done when I'm dealing with friends family or my patients, anybody, uh, anybody I meet, I have always proposed that in order for you, anybody, to be able to help others, you first have to take care of yourself. Mm. Now, now, hidden in that teaching is you must learn to love yourself. 
yeah. first and foremost before you can love anyone else. And yeah. I think that's a vital key. Many people do not love or accept themselves. I think it's funny you bring that up now because as we, when you, your earlier question as to what it takes for someone to be able to allow new learning and knowledge in and so forth, that's the one. That's the key one component. That's the, what it takes to, to to drift from those muddy waters into the waters of self-consciousness. Is self-love. It's about seeing beyond the ego self to where that pureness that's within you, you start to recognize in someone else and you realize, oh, wow, there's something deeper in consciousness. There's something more that, you know, not really universal, I shouldn't say universal, but, you know, connects us all as one. Yes. But yeah, self-love is definitely a first step in, in being able to, to cleanse yourself of the murkiness that comes from the ego. And sometimes it's not always easy, like just like different uh, body washes we use to get all of the, that grease and grime off. And the, the deeper, the longer we spent within that ego self, just soaking in it, it's harder when you become aware of self to, to transition to it. It sometimes takes several filtrations to find that level of purity that is truly self. Mm-hmm. And another facet, I guess, is that you, you love yourself and you refrain from judging yourself. If we listen to society, we are always either too much this or not enough that. And you can name anything and everything you want. But we, you, LCO, are whole and complete and beautiful just the way you are and so am i and we have to come to that realization in order to grow yeah very true because too many times it's easy to self-judge ourselves we are our own worst enemies worst enemy yes yes very true very true no um it's very true you have to be able to to emanate that forth that self-love, caringness, kindness to self first. One of the things I say if I have a patient that comes hobbling in my door, I'll look at him and go, I'll say, who beat up on you? And I go, (laughs) oh, never mind. You are your own worst enemy. You did it yourself. And 99% of the time, that's exactly the way it is. That's true. You let let them get to you. (laughs) Any other questions you got for me, Doc? That we can... I don't believe so. I have thoroughly enjoyed this, by the way. Well, th- you know, thank you so much. I mean, like I said, uh, we touched on a lot of different variety of things and we came full circle, which is what we like to do is come full circle uh, for where we started because, like I said, we joked about how we met and remembered the race factor between and some of those points. And that was, I think, a, a very good bridge for us to cross on this episode because it is Martin Luther King Day and it's a good memory for us to bring forth that here we are from two different age groups, two different races, but we, we can meet and we can talk and we can be. And we can love each other. We can love each other. Yeah. And we can love each other through that process of trying to grow together. Like that's why we, that's the, the essence of your question earlier is what we can 
give to the world to be able to do that in self-love and kindness and to then give that back out just to another one. And that's kind of what we, you and I, it's like we didn't see age, we didn't see color, we just sort of saw the love and the kindness that was it being emanated in me. You um, very lovingly called me a lighthouse and I, I appreciate that. And you are the same. I recognize that in you as well. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And you're, you're most Thank welcome. You. Like I said, you, you're not only one-to-one, but you, you bring that energy through the, the clinic, and that's, that's beautiful as well. You resonated. And, and that is also what I want to project. So thank you. You're, you're most welcome. Well, um, I hope I can have you back on the show, and we can talk some more and swim out into the ocean of conscience together and see where we end up. Oh, absolutely. This was great fun. I enjoyed it. Well, have a great day, and talk soon. All right. Namaste. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Swimming in the Ocean of Consciousness podcast. It was truly a pleasure to be your guide. Please do join us next time for another eye-opening episode. Until then, please remember to thread water lightly and always be kind and loving to self.